Well, hello everyone. It's Kathy Ostapchuk, and I am your host for today's Her Influence podcast. We are finishing our summer strong, and I'm so excited that we have Joe Saxton with us today on the podcast. Now, I met Joe originally back in Edmonton, which is my hometown, Edmonton, Canada, one of the coldest places on earth in January. Who goes there? Well, some pretty great people. We gathered for the one conference. And we had a She Is Called Masterclass and Joe Saxton uh, closed out the day with us with a really strong note. And we talked about being designed for impact and Joe really gets into that in her talk. And we wanted to share that with you today on the podcast because it's going to inspire you. And I think now more than ever in the middle of a pandemic, we need all the inspiration we can get girls, all the inspiration we can get because sometimes we feel that life sort of stopped and we wonder about our impact. We wonder about our future. We wonder if we're still able to make a difference and what that is going to look like. And what I love about this talk from Jo is that she starts really where the only place to start is with the names and impact of women in the Bible who had situations very similar to ours. They weren't the normal step out and lead your world with influence and make an impact contacts, but yet they did. And she mentions them by name. Of course, she mentions Lydia, Mary, Phoebe, and you know, I just love that she starts there because of course, in the book that I wrote, Brave Women, Bold Moves, that's where I start with women in the Bible. And it's the only place I think for me to start because when I think I'm the only one like me with unusual circumstances and the least likely to influence, I'm reminded that no, we all really are the least likely and God uses us anyway. So one thing I love about Jo is her sense of humor. And just from meeting her uh, that short time, she is warm and inviting, which is even more special since it was so cold in Edmonton. But watching her on Instagram, following along with her, um, I just think that she is one of the warmest hearts and one of the most brilliant minds that you're ever going to be acquainted with. So would love you to start following with her. So let me tell you about Joe. Joe Saxton is a pastor, missional leader, a speaker, and a leadership coach. She's the co-host of Lead Stories podcast. I'm telling you girls, I listen to this podcast almost weekly on my date, on my walks. I love it. So good. And she's the board chair of 3D Movements. Joe is the author of More Than Enchanting and High Heels and Holiness. She loves Starbucks, the gym, her people, and the everyday stuff like good music, good food, and good books and Target. She really, really loves Target. You know what? So do I. We don't have it in Canada anymore. Boo-hoo, but I love it too. She spends her days dreaming big dreams and making big plans. Jill lives in the Minneapolis area with her husband, Chris, and their two daughters. She also has written a book, Ready to Rise, Own Your Voice, Gather Your Community, and Step Into Your Influence. And I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can become more acquainted with the book and with Joe and with her coaching after you listen to this message from her, Designed for Impact. You're going to be inspired. Again, I always say, girls, grab a pen, be on your iPad, take some notes because there's so much and you're going to miss it. She just says a sentence and you say, whoa, back it up. I need to hear that again. Um, but basically, you'll get the message from Joe that we are designed for impact. 
So have a great listen, and we will talk to you on the other side. Welcome Joe Saxton to, to the Her Influence Podcast. Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence Podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3 in partnership with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Well, good afternoon, lovely ladies. I'm going to try it one more time just for us to be special. Good afternoon. Have you had a good day? Good, good. Um, I should, I feel... I feel a bit rude by just coming up and talking here without having made an introduction, so I'm going to do that real quick. My name is Jo. Um, I'm a Brit. I grew up in London in England. I've got Nigerian parents who are awesome source, and um, I'm married to a guy called Chris who's also a Brit. Um, He's five years younger because why not, friends? Why not? (laughs) Um, I have two teenage girls. Yeah. (laughs) And that, they're amazing, but yeah. Um, it's awesome. I, um, in terms of like all of you in the room, I wear many hats in terms of the things that we do. It's like, how long have you got if I asked any of us what we actually do, what our lives and our hours actually look like? Um, but officially, I guess, I host a podcast with a friend, I speak, I write, I coach leaders, um, specifically women leaders in this chapter of my life. Um, yeah, that's all we need to know. I really like carbs. Which has consequences, it turns out. On my 40th birthday, I asked the Lord, um, it's the only time I thought heaven was laughing, was when I asked the Lord for a faster metabolism. Yeah. I will persevere in prayer. I've been praying that prayer for nearly six years now. God is still laughing. So there we go. Um, In terms of what I wanted to share this afternoon, um, looking at being called to make an impact being called to make an impact. And I actually um, twisted a little bit because I think what we're actually, the actual reality is that we are designed to make an impact. That impact for human flourishing, for the greater good, for the glory of God and the good of others is part intrinsic to our God-given design. And I thought I'd just list off a few examples of that and see if you see yourselves in that story. Because when you think of it, it's like, well, I don't know whether I'm called to make an impact or designed to make an impact. I just this. I'm just a grandmother. I'm just a mum. I'm just at college. I'm just starting out. And in that just, we sometimes just minimize um, the way God has wired us. But then when we look at the Bible, we see women again and again. My my phone was meant to help me be my notes, and right now it's taking photographs, so clearly I'm not doing well right now. Wow! Um, Wowzers. Uh, When we look at the Bible, we see people like Deborah, who really was a judge. 
who really was a judge and she was a spiritual and the civil leader of her people, who was in the trenches of people's everyday life, who, who called leaders to step into who they were. We see a woman like Hagar, an enslaved woman, who was brutalized, who was taken um, against her will, was wrapped up in somebody else's brokenness. You may feel disqualified from having an impact because your story is wrapped up in someone else's terrible choices and terrible decisions. And yet Hagar, this African enslaved woman, has an encounter with God in the wilderness and, has, and gives God a name, a name that we still use. You are the God who sees me. Such is her impact that it goes through echoes through the ages. So if you feel like you're disqualified from impact because of your story, Hagar is a great example for you. There's Huldah, a woman of influence who is called out to give advice to kings. There's Miriam, a worship leader and a prophetess leading the people of God. There's Phoebe, I'm going to jump Old and New Testament because I was scribbling and I didn't think of chronological order. Um, there's Phoebe who is a benefactor and a deacon we meet her in Romans chapter 16 1 and 2 and, and tradition would understand it that when Paul's letters were received she would be the one reading it out communicating it that's Phoebe there in Luke chapter 8 you meet Joanna Susanna and Mary who bankrolled the and much of the ministry of Jesus um, if you look at it it's, in, it's there they traveled with them they traveled with the disciples and and resourced it, women of impact. We know, we, you know, we often say that there was nobody at the cross with Jesus, but actually the scripture shows that the women were there. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, there's Anna. Um, there's Anna, again, told you I wasn't being chronological right now, um, who prophesied in the temple and was worshipping, who devoted her life in intercessory worship and prayer, waiting for the Messiah to come. There's a Samaritan woman. There's a woman with a story for you. Woo, spicy, <laughs> spicy, who, um, go, who encounters Jesus and then, and then goes to her entire town and say, and you know, some theologians call it the first evangelist. Come and hear a man who told me everything I ever did. And I sometimes think if it was me there, I'd be like, I want to hear what you did because, hmm. And, <laughs> but communicates. And then the people around saying, now it's not just because of what you said. Now we've heard him and met him for ourselves woman of impact I wonder if you have a story maybe it's a spicy story and you may have used that story or maybe people have told you that that story means you can't have impact it's a lie it's a lie there's Mary and Martha now honestly I would be team Martha in that moment honestly I would that whole you know and because when Jesus turns up he messes everything up roofs fall in and things things happen and you don't want people to say like God was really good but the snacks were terrible do you know what I mean? It's awkward. It's awkward. Snacks were rubbish. And that, so I would have been Team Martha. I would, because get stuff done. Jesus is in the house. However, you know, and <laughs> but, but then we see Mary, and, and honestly, when we look at this moment, we're like, Martha was a Martha, and Mary was. Yes, but also, we don't want to miss the radical moment that's happening there. Mary chooses to position herself in that moment to sit where the guys got to sit. In that posture of sitting at the feet of Jesus was the posture in that day and age of saying you're a disciple, that you're going to learn, and not just academic disciple. Who did Mary think she was? Do you want to heal the sick like they, the guys do, Mary? Do you want to hear how to raise the dead like the guys do, Mary? Because that's what she's doing when she's sitting down. We underestimate her courage in that moment. 
These are the women in our stories that we don't often get to hear about, but they're all in there. There's Priscilla, who is more often, um, and she's married to a guy called Aquila, but when we hear them, we often hear her voice mentioned first, her name mentioned first. And scholars, both um, of the era and later, understood that whoever was mentioned first was seen as the more prominent figure. She taught people like Apollos, um, more the way of Christ, who was part of Paul's church planting team, pioneers. Maybe the things that you're about haven't been quite seen yet, there's Junior in Romans chapter 16, and often we see, um, when we look at it today, it's written Junius. Um, the name Junius doesn't, wasn't a thing. It was actually Junior until about the 11th century when somebody felt awkward and changed it to a guy's name. And she's described as an apostle, a messenger, again, a pioneer going into uncharted territory. Then... Well, I was going to say there may be, but considering the work of gathering the things that you feel designed for, you will go into uncharted territory. And maybe some of us have held back because there's not a roadmap for how we do this as grandmothers. There's not a roadmap for how we do this as single women. There's not a roadmap for how we do this when we haven't got money. There's not a roadmap for how we live into the fullness of our God-given influence. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want you to build a road. It doesn't mean that you're, it doesn't disqualify you and say that you're not designed for this time. You're designed for an impact. And the list goes on. The list goes on. The reason why we can recognize that we are called to impact and designed for impact is because the Bible shows it again and again and again. Women of different ages and different shapes and sizes, different ethnicities, different life stages and marital stages living in to their influence impacting the world around them. Lydia, the businesswoman, the dealer in purple cloth, it was understood to be like, um, like the fashion house, as it were, like the good stuff, the stuff that you get on sale from the outlet that makes you feel special. That stuff, that stuff. And you won't tell anybody what you spend because it would be awkward. That stuff. And she, in inviting Paul and, and his companions into the house, opens an entire gateway, an entire frontier for the gospel through her business. Through her business. It was not like all these women were pulled out of the things they were already doing, but God infused their lives, empowered their lives and the lives they already had to bring about change. And my encouragement to each and every one of us is that the God himself wants, seeks to infuse the life we already have. He doesn't need you to look a certain way. Sometimes the church in its brokenness has auditioned us to look and be a certain way, to be a certain age. Retires us when God didn't ask us to retire. I mean, Moses was like 80. Deborah was not 21, sisters. Sometimes we, it auditions us. I mean, I mean, real talk, we've only got a little bit of time, so I'll have to be quick and blunt about this. Sometimes... The church has auditioned us on our size. On our size, dare we say it. Sometimes the, the church has auditioned us on our marital status as though Jesus was married and managed to accomplish things. Sometimes the church has auditioned us on account of the story. You know, we're a bit, you know, our, we have a history. But our history is called history. We are redeemed. 
And maybe sometimes the church doesn't do that, but maybe we have. Maybe we've auditioned ourselves and found ourselves wanting because we're single, because we don't like the labels that we have assigned to ourselves or life has assigned to us, or because we are struggling and wrestling with things. We never asked for infertility. We never asked for struggle. We never asked for pressure, and yet here we are. Sometimes it's... um, We've auditioned ourselves and found ourselves wanting because we can't see the way ahead, because there is no clear path. And so instead of it making us curious to say, okay, God, how are you going to do this? We just shut the door and check out. And it's completely understandable. No condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It's completely understandable. But as we wrap up this day, I want to invite you to the places where you put a, do you call it a period or a full stop here? Okay, I'm still, still messing with my head there. Um, where we've put a period on the call on our lives because we don't understand that we put a comma and then invite the King of Kings to show us the next step. I want to invite you to allow a God who, does, who has fun with the impossible to activate your life once again in whatever way He's designed you for. So yes, I would say you are designed for impact. I'm going to now, I was going to try and pretend I wasn't doing this, but now I'm going to try and open this phone again. Thank you very much, phone. Behave. It's new and I just don't know what I'm doing with it. It's ridiculous. And it says in, um, in Ephesians, I was, uh, these are some of my favorite verses, um, where, and it's, this is a message version. And those of us familiar with the, Paul's letter to the Ephesians will remember it's a round robbing letter going to an entire region, giving some general principles to the people of God. The message version says this in Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. Fabulous. It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before you ever got your hopes up, he had designs on you. He had his eyes on you, had designs on you for glorious living. Not conflicted living. Not am I good enough living. Not am I too much or not enough living. Not the oughts and shoulds of our culture's kinds of living, but glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in in your relationship with Jesus, which has been articulated to us throughout this day, that you find out what your identity is, but also your purpose. Because he's got his eye on you for glorious things. He's got his eye on you for glorious things. If I could have the next slide, please, that'd be wonderful. And so these questions I love to ask people is, who were you before anyone told you who you were supposed to be? Yeah, and who were you before life told you what you could be? Because we don't live beyond what we believe to be true about ourselves. So if we've been told or have told ourselves long enough that um, you've got nothing to offer, that you have no contribution to make, then turns out you start believing it. If you um, are told by people to think small, not because they're inviting you to be strategic, but because they're inviting you to think less. Because they want you to be small. Sometimes we, we minimize the dreams and, and heart of God and call it humility. And it's actually just minimizing. So who were you before anyone told you? Before life told you? Sometimes life speaks a hard word, doesn't it? Life has happened to us all. Sometimes people speak a hard thing, don't they? Just in their brokenness. You know, if there are words I could take back, there are many, so many. 
And there are others that I should take back and I'm sure the Lord is still dealing with me on those. But um, yeah, there's, there's this phrase we have in, in the UK where I grew up, I think it's a global one, like um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. It's such a lie. <laughs> such a lie. Give me a stick any day. Thing with a stick, you take a stick, I'll find a stick. I'll find a stick and we will go stick to stick. Give me pebbles, stones any day. You want to throw a stone? One, I can dodge your stones. And two, I will find a boulder. That's how we roll. But, sorry, I didn't say that was the right response. I just said it was the honest one. Must clarify. Uh, um, But a word, the words of someone who tells you what you should measure up to, that tells you what you're here for, the words of someone who says you're disposable, rejectable, worthless, ugly, too much, too little, fat, too thin, too what, too old, too young. The words that tell you in a patronizing, patting you on the hair kind of, leave my hair alone, patting you on the hair kind of manner, what you should be, have a way of getting into your head, going into your mind and spinning around, going into the deepest recesses of your heart and lodging themselves there until it fuels all that you do. It's like a quiet poison with a thousand cuts to your heart. And so if we are going to live in the light of our great spiritual heritage of all those women in the Bible that I referred to earlier, who did you know there was no one size fits all on their calling? And if we're going to live into the heritage of a God who knows who we are and what we're living for, who has his eyes and designs on us, it's important to recognize again that we were designed with impact in mind that we were designed with his purposes in mind. So I just want to spend a few minutes just helping us see that again and, and for us to make a great exchange. You know, part of God's covenant relationship with his people was even with Abraham and throughout the ages, they would make an exchange where they would take on all of the attributes of the, of the covenant partner, God our covenant partner, and they'd get rid of all their stuff, their debts, their old identity, their everything would go in the blood. With the new covenant, the debts, the old names, the old insecurities in the blood. What I want us to do today is for us to make an exchange from all these things which are stopping us from living into our God-given wiring and pick up again who we are so we can begin to flow and live consistently with how God has called us to be. So if I could have the next slide, please, that'd be wonderful. Thanks very much. So going back to the beginning is a very good place to start. Um, God is making the world wonderful things and he gets to this part. This is Genesis 1, round about 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Next slide, please, that'd be wonderful. Then God blessed them. I love the fact that the first experience for humanity is blessing. It wasn't then God graded them. It wasn't that God set great expectations on them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And we know again, looking at the life of Christ, that fruitfulness is not limited to childbearing. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea. And he said this to men and women, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Let's keep going. Thank you. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And this is what happened. And God looked over all he'd made and he saw that it was very good. And the very beginning, 
He designed us for relationship with him, but also to represent him in the world. He gave us responsibilities, invited us to reign with him. Not reign in some kind of um, dominating crazy way. We are representing the King of Kings. We have a twofold purpose, to know God and to fearlessly, unapologetically represent him in the world. In whatever ways we've been wired for. I was saying this to the ladies last night. Um, When we think of how God has designed us and wired us, we have been given lots of gifts, lots of talents, lots of skills, lots of abilities. There are people in here of a wonderful way with numbers, others hospitality gifts, others communication gifts, all kinds of skills and things. All of those things, God gave you. God invested in you because he delighted to. So that as you were going about with your life, you would represent him in the world. You would show people a glimpse of heaven as you live into the way God has wired you. But so often with these gifts, we get a bit funny about them. Maybe the sticks and stones have gone a little too far with us. And yet here we are with this invitation to represent God wherever we are on the earth. I was saying to ladies last night, my kids um, send me PowerPoints for Christmas, so I know what to get them. Um, they've done this for a number of years now. It's a, it's a natural tradition. They put links in the slides so that we can just click on the very thing that they want. It's so kind and generous of them. Mm-hmm. It's partly because we have a global family. My brother's in Hong Kong. The rest of the family are in England. And so they just don't want anybody to miss out, you know? How generous of my children. Um, And then when Christmas Day comes, the desire is that they go and unwrap all the presents because they're excited and they're thrilled and we spend all Christmas Day calling people around the world, thanking them for the generosity that they knew was coming. Um, But it'd be weird if one year that instead of doing that, they just walked past those gifts, wouldn't touch them, left them to gather dust, a bit uncertain. I don't know if I'm good enough for that gift. What if I get it wrong with that gift, with that bike? What if I fall over? Have I failed? I don't know if I'm, well, I messed up the last gift and I broke it, so can I have, I'm not allowed to have another one. I've got to prove that I'm good enough first, right? Is that a boy gift? Am I too strong for that gift? Can I be trusted? Am I dangerous if I live that gift? And now that would be weird and we'd be saddened if the children in our lives responded that way because we just want them to enjoy the gift. And yet I wonder if we do that so often. The Father has given you many gifts that will ultimately impact the world around you. That will get people out of debt. That will create community. That will release others from trafficking. That will give someone a nicer day, frankly that will lift the pressure from their life, that will love a neighbor when they feel alone, that will speak a word of hope and transformation, that will be words that they may hear that will heal a broken heart, that will hold their hands when they're suicidal and tell them they're gonna be okay, that will face the hardest diagnosis, that will give them strength again. God's given us gifts and talents and skills and some of them have been such a part of us that we don't even know that he gave them them anymore. We didn't ask to be good with numbers, it just kind of happened. Will you unwrap the gifts? Or have we left them under the tree? Or did we take most of them and just say, accept that one, because that one's a bit of a, that's messy. Accept that gift. And I want to invite you. Did you say, oh, I'm too old for that gift? I'm sorry, God, you should have got me when I was 20, when my metabolism didn't need prayer. 
should have got me at a time when I was free. Get, you should have got me before I was disappointed. You should have got me before my heart got broken. You should have got me before I got cynical. You should have got me before I was tired. I'm just tired, Jesus. I've not slept for 16 years. Everything has gone south. There is not enough shapewear to heal me. I can't do it. I can't stand in front of people. Do you know how long it takes me to get dressed in the morning? Just to know it's okay? If I breathe in the wrong direction, everything could pop apart. Was it just me thinking out loud? Anyway, who knows? And so we disqualify ourselves. Unwrap the gifts. Because they're your father's gifts to you. And for some of us, maybe we have a very complicated relationship with the even concept of God being a father. Maybe our fathers have messed with our theology somewhat by their absence, by their very presence, by their passivity, by their preoccupations. But even where, the, where life has happened and it's messed with us, God can redeem that too. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm just saying it's possible. You have been given good gifts from a good father. Unwrap those gifts because they have the potential for impact. One other thing I want to share, we, and we don't have much time, but it's okay. I was only add one more thing, I think, really. I'm just, excuse me, I'm just going to unlock my phone. Thank you, phone. Thank you, phone, for participating in this gathering. There are two, there are two um, creation accounts. There are two creation accounts in the Bible. Genesis 1, I refer to in Genesis 2. And I wanted to refer to this one because this one gets a bit up, up close and personal about women. And sometimes it can be one of the reasons we hold back. Oh, there it is, glorious. Um, so God has made everything. Sun, good, moon, good, stars. Everything's really, really good. That's the truncated version of Genesis chapter two. And then it gets to, and then something's not right though. And God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And that can bring up feelings for people. It can bring up feelings. For some people, they can, it can bring up feelings and they're like, it's fine. It's really fine. I only want to serve and, and all of that. But for others, it's like, I, there I was unwrapping my gifts. I was chucking paper here, there and everywhere. I got my Spanx on, I'm good to go. And now I'm like, hold on, do I need, what does this mean? So I want to unpack the word for you. I want to unpack the word for you. And, um, and then I think we'll probably wrap up after that, actually, because fun times. The word um, in the Hebrew, if I could have the next slide, please, that'd be lovely. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, yeah, it's all there. Gosh, I did this better than I thought I did. Okay, the word in the Hebrew is Azer. I don't know how to pronounce ancient Hebrew, so we're just going to go with that for now because I wasn't there. Um, the word is Azer, and it's a combination of a couple of words meaning to rescue and to save and to be strong. And there you were thinking you were too strong and that strength wasn't feminine. Whoopsie. There are over a hundred references to the root of this word in the Old Testament. And then there are 21 references using the identical word that we see there. When we're not sure what a word means in the Bible, you look at the Bible as a reference point, don't you? Rather than bring your own cultural values to it, you see what the word says about itself. So I'm just telling you what it says about itself. It means to rescue, to save, and to be strong. There are, when we see these um, references to this word, there are two times it's describing the woman, one of those that we saw there. Three times referring to military aid, 16 times when God is working as the helper of his people using powerful military language. Remember, made in somebody's image? The helper was one who had the power, the resources to help. There is a situation going on. It will take someone who has the resources to do something. Aza. 
Often when we see it in the Bible, the words is in parallel with words for strength and power. It's not that a helper doesn't assist, it's just that's not what the primary translation of that word means. It's why sometimes you see it in Genesis as saying strong helper to give some, bring out some of the essence of this word. But this is who you are. I don't know what you've been told about who you are, but this is who you are. Because your creator made you, he knows better than anybody else what your capacity is, what your potential is. Maybe if you're feeling inadequate, you don't feel you can make a difference, but what if you were an Aza? It's a, oh, if I could have the next slide, please, that'd be lovely. Thank you so much. Did that one, did that one, did that one. I knew there was one more. It's a verb as well as a noun, meaning to protect, to defend, protect, surround, and cherish. This wonderful mix of strength and vulnerability all in, all in the one word. I love Hebrew. It's like, it's like these dense words that when you unpack, bring out this richness of meaning. That's what God says about who you are. What would it be like to walk as your Aza self back into your circumstances? What would it be like to walk into the way that God has labeled you? I don't know the words that have broken you, but when you go into that business meeting as an Aza, what does it mean? When you go into your family as an Aza, what does it mean? When you go into your workplace and community, when you're nurturing your grandkids, when you are stepping into another career that you didn't expect, when you are facing an uncertain future as an Aza, what does it mean? Protect, surround, defend and cherish, rescue, save and strong. That's what God says about you. And you see, if we begin to agree with what God says about us, if we make that exchange, that we get rid of the labels that we've lived under and begin to embrace his ones, again, we begin to live into what we believe. We start making decisions rather than not enough and too much because I don't know how that gets to be too much. Rather than too strong or too weak or too feminine or all these other things that have been plaguing our minds, in partnership with the King of Kings, impact is inevitable. In relationship with the one who has always seen you, always known you, gifted you on purpose, for purpose, impact is possible. So where do you want to go? What do you want to be? What has God invited you to be? I will um, come into land with it. I can't remember what the next slide was. Could you show me it? Oh yeah, better do this one real quick. So more Hebrews, quickly. Um, where it says, I'll make a helper suitable for him. This is just for your general reference. I'm not really going to unpack this. But the word for suitable is konegdu, meaning suitable or fit. It comes from the word neged, meaning opposite or parallel to, meaning equal or standing boldly opposite. I know, right? And there you were apologizing for who you was. And God's like, please be who I designed you to be. You'll feel so much less conflicted about your lives. And I'm not telling you what this means positionally. I'm just talking about your God-given DNA here. Yeah? I'm not telling you what it means positionally. I'm, with um, as many women in the room as this, we're going to have a range of views. And, and you have a relationship with your God. You'll work it out. But this is the truth of who you actually are. You know, sometimes, sometimes, I don't know, did Shrek come over here? Shrek and all, all, the movie Shrek and all its derivatives? You know, when it got to Shrek 16 or something. Anyway, one of the derivatives, the ones that we use when we just need the kids to chill for a little while, whilst we have a minute. Yes, it's 90 minutes, but have a minute. Um, there's one of them where the princesses, um, those of you not familiar with Shrek, just go with me. It's an ogre, it's a thing. And um, all the princesses, all the sleeping beauty and all of these others are imprisoned. And they're about to, someone's about to attack and they say, assume the position. And one goes like this, and one does this, and one like sleeping beauty lies down. And um, Fiona, who is this princess, ogre, dynamic woman, says, what are you doing? And they all said, waiting to be rescued. 
And I wonder if we've done that. We're waiting to, for someone to validate us so we can be who we were designed to be. Your saviour's come. Your rescuer's come. Your redeemer's come already. And now he's commissioning you. Or are we waiting to be rescued so we're allowed? You had your permission at the Great Commission in the way you were very designed. In your very DNA was permission to represent him in the world. So what are you going to do? I want to invite you not to disqualify yourselves any longer. If there is work to be done in the healing of your heart, then do that work. Go see the therapist. I'm a big fan of them. If you know there are wounds which are devouring your life, go and do that work. Get the wholeness. If you need, a prof- if you need some professional help, I, look, I'm a big fan of going to counsellors. I'm a big fan of going to doctors. If you need antidepressants, go get them. Because, here's why. Because I'd rather have the year where I was on antidepressants and seeing the therapist, and I have done both these things, than need it for 20. I'd rather do that work than have the shame of preventing things because while that's happening, there are diminishing returns all over the place in my family, in my relationships, in my work. If you need that, sisters, please don't feel ashamed. There is no condemnation for you. Go get the help you need. If you're wrestling with panic attacks, they are debilitating. I had them about five or six years ago, debilitating things. Go get the help you need. No shame on you. Shame off you. Shame off you and redemption on you. Get the help you need. And don't decide that it disqualifies you. You might need a season where you chill a little bit, but it's just you kind of warming up because then you've got yet another story to tell about the goodness and greatness on your life. If I could have the worship team posse, where are you? Where'd you go? Thank you, loves. Thank you. I knew I, we knew I was going to mess this up. You guys are very, very gracious. They're so kind. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Please forgive. As you can tell, I couldn't even get my slides together. So, but let me, let me end with this. Well, there's something that's been nudging me. So because we're not going to see each other again, I will feel bold. <laughs> you know, when you say something, you're like, I'm running anyway. I could just say whatever. Then I'll like, see you tomorrow or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> awkward. Um, God, when, when God uniquely and wonderfully placed you in this beautiful land, it's because he had a purpose for you in this wonderful land. And... As you know, as you've gathered together, it is your time to rise. To rise in the shape that you come in. You know the distinct issues and needs of your communities, your cities. But who will be the voices? Who are the preachers? Who are the writers? Who are the podcasters? Who are the artists? Who are the businesswomen? Who are the entrepreneurs? Who are the mathematicians? Who are the scientists? Who are the engineers? Who are the stay-at-home mums? Who are the homeschooling mamas? Who are the grandparents with grace and grit and careers because they seem to do stuff all the time? Who are those women? You are those women. Who are the Azers? Because we need a few good Azers to get some stuff done. I can't tell you what your dreams should be, but chances are they need to be bigger than you've currently been thinking they are because your God isn't that small. So if there's brokenness in the story, I invite you to invite God to come and change that story. But then I, I want to end with the invitation to dream again. Dream bigger. Dream for more. And does that make you ambitious? Maybe. But what are you ambitious for? Human flourishing? Oh, that's terrible. Ambitious for people to know the life and goodness of God? <gasps> Let's feel bad about that. Because you see, as we live into the fullness of what God has called us to, and we, whatever that may look like, however profound that may be, it's transformation that lasts for generations. It's communities that get changed forever. So I invite you to dream again. I 
urge you to dream for Canada and beyond, but dream with the freedom of, you are not not America. You are not not the UK. You are not not someone else. You are Canada. You are God's women here. You are Azers rising up into the fullness of your people and the fullness and I'm not saying some weird thing for nationalism you do know that right because that would be really weird I'm saying to live into the fullness of who you are and where God has placed you unapologetically freely and if those and if it takes you beyond your borders because let's face it God wasn't bothered about those anyhow go as far as he's called go as far as he's sent but no more apologizing change the apologies for dreaming and so as I come into land, I want to invite you to do a couple of, just a couple of things. There are a couple of thoughts that come to my mind. Hold on a second. I can't, I, sometimes I think three things at once. Do you ever have that problem? It's difficult, is it not? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, one second. Okay, um, my sense is, actually, let's just have a moment of quiet. Let's just have a moment of quiet before I start making stuff up and just becomes all really problematic. So let's pray. Okay, my sense was that for some of us, we would love to run into this, but the labels have weighed us down for for real long. And maybe there are things already in the course of the day that you know that you've, but God's still nudging you. And I wanna invite you, if you know there are labels that need to be changed, at some point, in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna pray for you and each other because obviously you're raisins, it can be done. And there are some of us who have, no, if we're honest, we shrunk our dreams. Maybe like me, you shrunk your dreams because you worried what other dreams it would cost you. Maybe like me, you shrunk your dreams because you were bitter about something. Very good at bitterness. It's one of my weird talents. Um, awkward. Um, maybe like me, you shrunk your dreams because of the prayers that were answered in ways you really wish they weren't. Maybe you shrunk your dreams because you're like, I haven't got a mentor. I've been praying for 10 years now, Lord. Well, seriously, hello? Here I am. Answer my prayers. But the invitation is to dream again. And so, actually, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I don't know. Do we stand here? Oh, all right, you stand. All right, fine. I was just wanting to be culturally appropriate, sisters. And so, so two groups. And there may be other things we need prayer for, but those two, I'm going to invite you. So, and if it, does, if it doesn't apply for you, don't worry about it. Don't feel like I must find a label. Don't, don't worry. If it fits, if, it's, if it doesn't, just let it go on by. You know what I mean? Just chill. So, if you know there are labels that have defined you and, and you would like somebody to pray with you about it, um, why don't you stand? And if you know there are dreams that you've left, un- gifts left unwrapped, dreams, time to dream bigger, why don't you stand? And you can do that right now. Thank you. And what I'm going to invite those around us to do is to stretch your hand out near one of the women standing. You don't have to pray out loud, but a rising tide floats all boats. If you see, um, yeah, just look to where someone's standing. If they feel far away, you can walk to, you are allowed to walk near them if you want. It was just my Englishness that was keeping us away from physically. We're just going to pray that God sets them free. Ladies who are standing, if you want to share what you're standing for, feel free. If you don't, feel free.
But as the ladies play, why don't you pray? Pray for your sisters. Pray for their freedom. Pray for bigger dreams. So that was Joe Saxton inspiring us all. And I'm telling you, it was a cold day there in Edmonton, but we were all warm, inspired, and ready to go impact our world by the time uh, we had listened to her. Just a fabulous, fabulous message. I think it's timeless, actually, and probably more uh, timely in this day and age. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about Jo. Uh, she's been a lot on Instagram in the pandemic, doing lots of live calls. And also she's offering um, a book club starting in September for her Ready to Rise book. And I would invite you all to be part of that. You can find out more information if you follow her at Joe Saxton, right on her Instagram account. You go to the link in bio, and the information is there for that book club. Also, what I love about Joe is that she's a coach. And you know what? I believe in the power of the coaching relationship. I'm a coach. I have been coached. And she offers that. She's offering actually a one-month free trial for her monthly coaching program for women leaders. It's amazing. And she will help you leverage your passion and maximize your potential. Highly recommend Um, Again, even in and especially in this time where we're sort of stuck in the middle and we're not really sure how we can have influence in the months ahead or even get through the months ahead, this coaching offer from Joe, I think, is something that um, would be very timely for some of you. So, you know what? Go to her website, joesaxton.com. All the information is there, how to sign up. But we just love her. Um, It's neat that our borders are quietly flexible, even though they're closed, they're open virtually, and we can have this relationship with an amazing woman in our, in North America, who is global. Actually, I was going to go here, Joe, at the Alpha Leadership Summit in London, England in the spring, and obviously that was cancelled, and I didn't get to hear her there, but just encourage you to follow her, um, amazing woman for this time. So girls, hope that you enjoyed this, hope that you were inspired by this. We love bringing a good word to you. We love all of you in your places. We we try and imagine and dream about what you're doing and what's on your hearts and what you need. And trust me, when we say that we are listening to God very, very closely in these days and really getting ready for a fantastic fall to equip you digitally, virtually, uh, with real-time content and resources um, to, to help you where you are now and to move you into your, your future. We believe in the power of influence. We were all designed for it, right? And so we can do that better together. The one, the few, the many. So thanks for listening in. Um, Give us a a communication at hello at gatherwomen.com and let us know um, what you need. Let us know what you're experiencing. Let Let us know what God is doing for you and in your life in these times. We would love to hear your story and we'd love to share with you the journey ahead. We believe in the power of our community, uh, the women, the men together, the church, and this nation. And we believe that God has something very special for us in this day and age. And so we need to know who we are and what we are designed for. Thanks for listening in. We'll talk to you next time on the Her Influence podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence podcast. 
Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations, and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.